From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. It's always a great pleasure to welcome a particular favourite actor to John Hannam Meets. I never thought I'd say Tom Burke. Welcome to John Hannam Meets. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously, Strike, three seasons of Strike, wonderful series. There's a new one coming soon, isn't mm-hmm. there, as well? Yep. Talk about that in a minute. Just watched again War and Peace. Oh, yeah. And, of course, The Musketeers. Yeah. But currently you're in Don Carlos at the Nuffield City Theatre in Southampton until mm. November the 3rd. Bit of a different part for you because you, well, you know, sometimes you're even nastier, aren't you? <laughs> I'm nastier, did you say? Well, you're not really nasty in this one, are no. you? No, uh, no. I mean, I'd like to play more nasty people. I mean, uh, Donikoff's too complex. Merely tar him with the brush of nasty. Um, but um, I, di- I did enjoy playing that part. I've just seen the play, and, mm. and this is about ten minutes after you've just walked off stage, mm. so I, I'm amazed how sort of calm and relaxed you are after seeing, a, well, three hours, isn't it? Three hours and a bit. Yeah, it's a bit like climbing a sheer rock face, um, <laughs> but we do have little, you know, footholds up, uh, along the way, but it, but it always feels like a bit of a, a mountain to climb. I'm not going to give anything away, but there's rather a twister to it at the end, which is always exciting, isn't mm, it, really? yeah. I think one of the reasons it feels that that kind of steep is that Schiller's text and, and Robert David MacDonald's translation, which is, I think, very honouring of Schiller's text, is that um, it has such a tight hold of the reins on its catharsis. You know, you don't get that in Shakespeare at all. That's why it feels such a steep climb, I think. And, of course, you're acting sort of company is involved yeah i mean um it was um perhaps a bit going in the deep end to do to do a show of that kind of that with that sort of uh flintiness to it but in terms of combining that with stylized staging but we felt it cried out for it in terms of this story to have this sort of particular style and actually the style as many people have identified is is not really a style it's an absence of styles but it's an absence of styles so commonplace that they're invisible apparently to many people and of course there's there's a degree to which the whole point of naturalism is to be invisible but um all art has to kind of unpick itself at some point and when you remove such an idiom you you're inevitably uh, created with huge excitement from some quarters and, and charged with heresy by others. I love acting dynasties. I've interviewed a few over the uh-huh. years. Of course, mum and dad, um, David Burke was your dad, and Anna Calder Marshall, yes. <laughs> um, and then one of my favourite actors of all time, who I was thrilled to meet, Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. He was one of your godparents, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Fiona co- Shaw is a cousin of my dad's. And, Bridget uh, Turner was. Bridget it? Turner is uh, uh, my godmother, was my godmother, uh, who was an amazing actress. I mean, talk about a, talk about a great comedian. 
but with such kind of um, inner life too. One of my great friends on the Isle of Wight, because I come from the mm. Isle of Wight, was the late Antony Mengele, of course. Oh, yeah. And Alan came for his sort of celebration of his life. Yeah. And I had a quick chat with him and ended up sort of doing an interview about a mm. month later and sort of dedicating it to the memory of uh, Antony Mengele, which was rather he kind was of him. absolutely adored. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Rightly so. Is it true, Tom, that for about a week you wanted to be PT teacher or not I didn't really? necessarily want to go into... PE, um, it was more that I'd done a little bit of practical uh, teaching for my uh, PE GCSE and I'd coached a relay team and uh, because I was at a Steiner school and um, you you know you can (laughs) you can recognize Steiner kids from a mile away because they're very free in their emotion and it's incredibly refreshing particularly when you see it in contrast to and there was a moment where we, we were competing with other schools and we actually came third we didn't come first but the 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 teams that came first and second were so tight-lipped and bound in their (laughs) in their you know joy of winning uh that when my lot got up and and sort of screamed and jumped and danced around i was moved to tears and i and I, i sort of recognized the the depth of the steiner education which is doing okay in Germany and in certain... My old school just closed down very Aww. sadly. And, what was dream time then? Was uh, that, that's something they all believe in at Steiner, that it's very important to have that and that if children become too goal-orientated too soon, they kind of get they get lost in their own goals. They don't enjoy the present moment. But I think I brought that up in an interview before because the teachers <laughs> said that I was stuck in dream time and they needed oh, right. to get me out of it. <laughs> Might still be the case. You had dyslexia, obviously. Was that a problem when you were younger or not really? Initially, uh, with words, I I used to look at, you know, when they tell you to copy the blackboard or the whiteboard or whatever, I literally, it was like staring at hieroglyphics for me. I didn't understand the concept of of following it one word at a time or one letter at a time. Got into reading through through plays and through watching theatre. Numbers still elude me somewhat. But obviously you can learn words easily because I've just seen you. Well, again, it's about just looking at it one one word at a time. Is it? <laughs> I think so, especially when there's such a huge amount of text as this. Obviously National Youth Theatre are quite important and then you went to RADA, of course. Mm. So that was a good grounding in both cases, really, wasn't it? The National Youth Theatre was an amazing time for me because I, I like most teenagers, I think, you know, different... Things tend to happen to, to men and women as teenagers, and, and I'd, I'd really shut down quite a lot. And so National Youth Theatre was, was really brought me out of my shell. Um, I probably got back in my shell a bit at Radu. I think I was probably a bit too young for it. I was just 18 when we started, and just 21 as we were finishing. And there's so much else going around your head at that time. I th- I notice now that people who are a little bit older than me were more sponge-like in their soaking up of the training. And it was such a great training, and I had so many amazing teachers. I wouldn't want to not credit them with my, you know, not having had as fruitful time at there as I might have a, a few years later. You sort of appeared in some productions that your parents had staged I think didn't you sometimes there was in the local village to raise money for stuff we'd put on like Victoria Wood sketches or 
old, um, not the nine o'clock news sketches and stuff. Just. To... I was watching some old Dangerfield the other night. Oh, God. <laughs> and there you one. came on oh. looking very young. Yeah, spiky hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had some good TVs early on, didn't you? Did all the King's Men and obviously Dangerfield we just mentioned. Yeah, I, I my first job was was doing a a film called Dragonheart Two, which I absolutely loved because I was riding around on a horse and I had a sword and this really cool costume and and then I went on to All the King's Men, which was a really kind of classy show to be on with with. Julian Gerald, who's a you know one of one of our best, I think. He's doing a lot on the Crown now, I noticed. But um, this was before Rowdy, you see. Mm. I was, yeah, I didn't have the best time on that, and I or on Dangerfield actually. Again, a lovely director called Dilith Thomas directed that, and I went into Rada slightly feeling like uh, this was gonna this was gonna you know confirm one way or another if this is what I still wanted to do. And then my first job after leaving at drama school was with Howard Barker, and that was Gertrude the Cry. And Howard is... I was saying this story the other day, actually, because it, it kind of felt to, very much to do with wanting to do this show, although it's not by Howard. But um, somebody asked me about a year ago who my favourite playwright was, and I said, Howard Barker, and they said... And why are you saying that like you're admitting to wearing flared trousers? <laughs> this was just a friend of mine. And I laughed, but I felt angry with myself because I've heard so many, you know, really quite high up directors, actors, writers, designers um, enthuse passionately about Howard, but in a slightly sheepish way, like it's some sort of guilty pleasure. Because they've been made to feel that, really, because he's not been accepted by certain areas of the establishment in this country. Not so much elsewhere. Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to loudly declare my convictions, even if it's met with, um, you know, huge criticism, which from some quarters this has. Um, and I respect those people for their honest opinion, and I, I hope they'll respect me for sticking by the work, nevertheless. State of play was quite important for you, wasn't it, really? Um, you played Sid, yeah, you? I loved that job. It was a fantastic little part. Yeah. I think Seven Million watched that show, which was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a great show. And David Yates is, has an incredibly um, infectious uh, enthusiasm on set. You did Linley and Poirot and Great Expectations, Casanova. Mm. War and Peace, so Dolokhov, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you were a nasty in that, weren't you, for a while, but you got better. Well, yeah, he's, 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 he's fascinating, <laughs> isn't he? He I was, was a like, captain I'd have to play him. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating guy. You ended up captain, didn't you? Yeah, he's captain at the beginning, and then he's demoted, yeah, and yeah. then he gets it back up. There was a moment with that when I was... I haven't actually told this story before. I don't want to sound like I'm sort of mythologising my life, but I was going to not do the job because I just lost... Bridget Turner and I knew I was going to have to go and do a third season of Musketeers which was going to be six months and I suddenly felt incredibly nervous about the time I had in England with, with you know my family and um, I was going backwards and forwards and I had a long chat with Tom Harper the director who was incredibly um, understanding and supportive and we were literally trying to sort of count the days to see you know how much they needed me and how much I didn't 
And the day I sort of had to decide, I was I was walking, and I ended up walking through the bit of BBC radio that's right in the middle of town. There's flagstones on the ground that have all different areas of the world written on them. And I'd forgotten this, but I, I'd stopped on a particular one whilst I was on the phone having this conversation, I think, with my agent. I think I was standing on Austerlitz, which I think is the... That it's the battle where Dolokhov regains his captaincy. So I sort of felt like that was the universe saying, go on, do it. <laughs> Brian Cox was in that. He was, yeah. Did he sort of brought your parents together? Is that a true story or not yeah, really? he did in a way. Brian had been at Lambda with my mum and was a bit of a big brother to her. Was incredibly fond of her and they went up to do the Wild Duck in Edinburgh, I think, the Lyceum. And... Um, my dad and my mum, there was some sort of twinkle there, and I think they were both a bit shy about it for whatever reason, and and, and the three of them were in the pub one night, and Brian, you know, <laughs> delicately said, well, I'm going to head off, and my mum immediately shot up and went, well, I'll, I'll, I'll walk with you, and he went, no, 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 no. And so, um, yeah, it all, all flowed from there. And Athos, of course, in The Masketeers, mm. was a popular series, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and... Um, uh, I'm very proud of its popularity and we all uh, cared so much about it and really tried to really tried to have a strong sense of both what people liked about it and how we were going to stretch it. Because as soon as you depart from narrative, as soon as you say it's these characters but we're doing different stories, you open up so many avenues and on the sort of you know, creative side of it, they were always saying, oh, we, we think we want to tie up what's happened with you and Milady. And I'm always going, every, at the end of every season, they said, I went, no, I don't know. This man <laughs> is defined by this woman. I don't know who he is without her. But then there were, it was a whole episodes that had nothing to do with the original story about forgiveness and about moving on. So then when Talisa Teixeira's character was introduced in the third series as, as, as a very uh, particular individual, uh, it made total sense to me that Athos might be able to have space for that. But I think some people got really annoyed about that in terms of his, you know, his his celibacy in the book. Put that light out! I'm trying to relax and listen to John Hannum. Former and Strike, of course. Three series so far. Yeah. The Cuckoo's Calling. Yeah. The Silkworm and Career of Evil. They've all been really hits, haven't they? Yeah, they were. I mean, I just feel me and Holly were given so much room to... Great chemistry between you two. Really. But interestingly, that word was never said. Wasn't it? Which is a sort of word which but is usually, you know, if there's any anxiety about that, you have a chemistry read, you have a this, you have a that, you have yeah. chemistry beats written into the script, you have, you know, people are going, well, we need the chemistry. They sort of... And we, me and Holly didn't read together. We didn't do a kind of... Wow. They just sort of trusted that we would... And actually, if somebody isn't breathing down your neck about it... Uh, and to be honest, they didn't on Musketeers either, so I, I should credit those people as well. But if somebody isn't breathing down your neck about it, it's so much easier to find something idiosyncratic. And particularly in Strike, it was so important to find something idiosyncratic because it's such a slow build between yeah. them. And it goes through so many different um, areas. Not the easiest of character to get on with, really, at times. Who? Strike? Yeah. What, because he's kind of well, no nonsense? Know. Yes, exactly. I don't know, I quite like that. Yeah. Gaddy has a habit of... Um, who directed Don Carlos, who's my 
partner in our other theatre company. You know, he has a habit sometimes with people if we're having some sort of business meeting of saying something like, uh, when are we going to have the conversation underneath this conversation? To kind of cut to the point, and some people look visibly kind of startled by things like that. I think it's quite good. We can spend so much time as English people just getting nowhere but being yeah. very polite about it. Nice to see you walking better today as well. <laughs> That's very clever how they do that, isn't it? Very clever, yeah. Very. So realistic. You mm. Well, that's the art of modern television, I yeah. suppose, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Lethal White, is that the next one? It is. That's just been a number one selling book, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. When does that come out? Can you tell us? It's or come not? out. Has it? As a book. Ah, the book, yeah. yeah when's yeah. when's the... Is it going to be the next series or not? Yeah, really? it would be, but I don't think we'll start till the end of next year. Oh, right. And, um, I keep meaning to ask for a trade paperback so I can read <laughs> it as soon as possible. I'm not. I, it's been so much because we're on tour. Locking around a huge hardback as well is, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to read that. I knew the third star, the Invisible Woman, uh, the Libertine. Being of a certain age, I love Telstar because Joe Meek was sort of one of my heroes. Uh, and uh, Telstar is one of my proudest moments, both individually and collectively, in terms of what that film did. Uh, you know, I think it, it had an eclectic quality to it, which was so much to do with that man's, Joe Meek's particular life and mm. that time. Uh, you know, I think some people saw that as a kind of some sort of inconsistent tone or something, but that's what I thought was so brilliant about the film, and Nick did that very deliberately. And you wrote some lovely songs, well, Jeff Goddard did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Jeff Goddard, what a, what a beautiful man. There were sort of cameo roles uh, in that film for mm. several people, weren't there, which was absolutely yes, brilliant. Chaz Hodges did Jazz, it very smart. Chaz, Clem Cattini played, yeah. the, uh, I think, the chauffeur at some point, yeah. Do you still paint and draw? No. Or not? Uh, I, well, I d that only came up fairly recently. Yeah, I, um, I, I've, my, I, I've got quite into sort of more design-based drawing, so I've got quite into... Um, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm, I've got some kind of... I don't even know what the name of the apparatus would be, but <laughs> no, I've got quite into pattern designing, as opposed yeah. to pattern making. I'm yeah. really not that practical, yeah. but yeah, um, I've got... Funny thing to have got into, but yeah, that's that's where life takes you. I understand you like black cabs. Is that a story or is that true? I read somewhere it said you like black cabs yeah, and clothes. Yeah. Is that right? You must and clothes. Have... Yeah. yeah, too much. Yeah. Do you buy a lot uh, of clothes? Well, I I used to. I've tried to really simplify now, and and consequently, I just dress incredibly simply. And uh, I suppose it was always a kind of simplicity to it. But yeah. Yeah, no, I've I've hugely cut down on 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 clothes and um, and uh, no, I do like black cows. I like walking a lot as well. But yeah, there's something about going through London in a, in a on that oh, just yes. slightly raised level. <laughs> you just feel like you had the illusion of conquering it in some way. Have you still given up smoking or not? Yeah, I haven't smoked because you've had to smoke some herbal cigarettes. Yeah, I smoke a lot. What are they like? Are they? They're very strange. After you've are they about forty? I mean, it, which is, you know, the effect, you know, if you're filming a scene and you're having to do it again and oh. again, it, it, you're, yeah, it leaves your brain feeling a little weird sometimes. Tom, go back to Strike briefly. Yeah. One episode, you know, the, how long would one sort of take you, really? Well, we did seven, and I think it was about five or six months. Was it? We literally, you know, we'd finish filming one and we'd walk 
from the set to have the read through for the next one. Would you? But you know that was doing three books at once. Yeah. So I was excited at the idea of just doing one next time because I thought it'd be much more cushy. And then they said, "Oh no, we're going to do it as maybe five episodes." So th- then you go, "Okay, well that's almost the same again." But <laughs> in real life, you look such a lot younger than him. I don't know yeah. what it is, but when you came on stage today, I thought, "Gosh, he looks rather young." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, not good. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Before we talk about the play again, sort of. Was there a baseball ambition for you, or was that...? Uh, it was the only sport I was ever really any good at. I mean, baseball and... Yeah, that was the one I... No football for you? Well, you see, I went to a Steiner school where they don't do football. No. Not oh. in a kind of, we only do rugby way. It wasn't that at all. They just... If you... the I mean, Steiner's quite... The deeper you go, the more esoteric it gets. So there'll be probably quite seemingly odd reasons for not doing football but you know all my mates were into football they all still played football but yeah no baseball for me and it's the game I enjoy watching more than any other because I actually understand the rules and there's a kind of chess-like element to it and yeah so you're at Southampton with Don Carlos until November the 3rd yeah and this goes on a national podcast as well so I'm going to plug uh, Rose Theatre Kingston oh great you're there from the 6th to the 17th that's right three lovely theatres I love the North Cop yeah and I love the Rose and of course this is a new one so it's sitting particularly well in here Um, I love the North Cop the North Cop is a very particular shape that's kind of an amphitheatre and you can kind of imagine doing Antigone in there or something. We, as you've just seen, there's a very particular staging we're doing, mm. which is quite scrimping. We didn't want that feel you so often get in theatre, um, particularly classical theatre, where there's a kind of limitless horizon that, that the characters are staring out over. We wanted this feeling of a very built-up, claustrophobic um, environment, which works iron in here acoustically. Mm. It was a bit tricky in the North Coast. Lots of quick changes and people on stage, but it's so yeah. well done. You oh, don't good. know whether they're actors or stagehands, which is good, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, well yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a deliberate blur there. Yeah. The audience stood and clapped. You can't ask any more, can you? They did indeed, yeah. Can I say it's a real pleasure to meet you. You too. Wish your career continued success. Thank you. And I wish your company, because this you. is your first major production, is it? It is, yeah. It's our first production. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to do a lot more. Oh, well, good. I hope so too. And I look forward to the next strike. Good. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye bye for now. <laughs>